That's how it's getting played. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. a parable spoken by Jesus for it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them to one he gave five talents to another two to another one one to each according to his ability and then he went away The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came home and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I've made five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, You handed over to me two talents. See, I've made two more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who had received the one talent came, also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. But here, have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and I gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And as for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We need to change. It's a good way to start a sermon. How many of you, when somebody starts a sermon, we need to change, just, nope, this one's not for me. But we do. At least today. Maybe if we just give it a day where we stop opening the Bible, assuming it will tell us the right way to be or the right way to act. 
sometimes our scripture is teaching us the exact opposite. Today, the parable is not telling us to be wise investors. It's showing us something different if we'll just change a little. Today, we heard a parable that reminds us how dangerous our scriptures can be. We are called to interpret a very old manuscript. And we're challenged to figure out what Jesus was up to when he was telling this parable. Every time Jesus spoke, he was addressing a different group of people, sometimes crowds, sometimes individuals, sometimes authorities, sometimes the outcast, sometimes the inner circle. So we always must ask, what was Jesus up to this time? Remember, this is Jesus we're talking about, and a parable is a teaching tool. A parable has a specific purpose with a specific audience. Today, I have a real problem interpreting this parable as an analogy for the kingdom of heaven, wherein this master represents God, and the servants represent God's children. The parable is so mean-spirited. It's so contrary to God's grace. Grace being the love of God I do not deserve and cannot earn. The parable contradicts the requirement to serve and care for the least of these. The parable begins with a vote of no confidence. Each servant is given according to their ability. Right off the bat, one person is told, hey, you are of low ability. You are not to be trusted with as much as these others. That can't make someone feel good. This one of low ability then becomes afraid of his master. And so he hides what he's been given, what's been entrusted to him. And then when he returns it, he is chastised. He is cast out. The main character of this parable is judged as less than others, given less than others, becomes afraid, is then called names, wicked and lazy, worthless, Everything that he has is taken from him, and he is cast out into the outer darkness. This is certainly not a parable of the kingdom of heaven. So what is it? I suspect the missing piece here is the audience. To whom was Jesus speaking when he told this parable? And as I am so happy to say again and again in my sermons, context is everything. This has a context. So what I want to do is give a little lesson in context. Luke uses the same exact parable, but it sounds different. So let's listen again. Remember the parable we just heard in Matthew. Now I'm going to read the same parable, except as written by Luke. But this is from Luke. 
19, through 27. So as they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So Jesus said, a nobleman went to a distant country to get power for himself and then return. He summoned 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 pounds. And he said, do business with these until I come back. But the citizens of his country hated him and they sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to rule over us. And when he returned, having received royal power, he ordered these slaves whom he had given the money to, to be summoned so he might find out what they had gained by trading. And so the first one came forward and said, Lord, your pound has made 10 more pounds. He said to him, well done, good slave. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small thing, take charge of ten cities. And then the second one came saying, Lord, your pound has made five pounds. And he said to him, you, you will rule over five cities. And then the other came saying, Lord, here's your pound. I wrapped it in a piece of cloth for I was afraid of you because you are a harsh man. You take what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. He said, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked slave. You knew, did you, that I was a harsh man, taking what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? Then when I return, you could have collected it with interest. And he says to the bystanders, take the pound from him and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. And I tell you, to all those who have, more will be given But from those who have nothing, even what they have is going to be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and slaughter them in my presence. That's Luke. The context is different. Luke's context is the nature of the king. Luke's parable is a contrast between the coming kingdom of God and the present kingdom of vengefulness, go slaughter them, and greed, make money. The greedy and vengeful king of Luke's parable is an antitype of Jesus. The king of Luke's parable is not like Jesus. This is not a representation of how things should be, but it represents how things are. Jesus was convicting people with this parable. And immediately following this parable in Luke's gospel, Jesus enters into Jerusalem as the righteous king, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Context. So biblical scholars... What, what they know is that Luke and Matthew have access to what is called the Q document. It's an early collection of Jesus' sayings. This document includes scriptures in Matthew and Luke, but are not found in Mark. Jesus didn't have a reporter following him around, writing everything down. People listened to him and later wrote down what he said. So Matthew and Luke 
interpret this parable that Jesus told within two different cultural contexts. The result is two very different meanings. So in Luke, meaning is found in a comparison between a good king and a bad king. But in Matthew, the parable is about how the least of these, those who are differently able, were treated badly and not valued by the community, right? It's about how the community then was treating the outcasts among them. Only the ones with business savvy were respected because they could make more money for those in power. This was a parable to convict the community in which Jesus was doing ministry. So what Jesus does with this parable is he shines the light of God on the greed of the people, on their judgment, and on the way that they have treated people who are less able than themselves. So the question, the question then, the question now for us, how do we treat those who are less able? How do we treat those who can't work? How do we treat those who are not as successful at work? How do we treat those who don't even have a bank account? How do we treat those who, for whatever reason, can't seem to hold down a job? How do we treat those who are differently abled? Unemployment, homelessness, these are difficult words. The sound of them will bring different images to different people. I don't know if you, any of you have ever been homeless, on the brink of homelessness, been unemployed, not had a job. There are a variety of responses to the words unemployment and homelessness. And the cold, sad truth is this. When people are unemployed and or homeless, they feel useless to their family and community. If you can't get a job, you feel like you have no value, and it's not a good feeling. Is less abled or unemployable a word that we describe, words we use to describe the members of the church? It's going to bring this whole parable into this room. Is less abled or unemployable a word we can describe, use to describe members of the church. Shouldn't the church be a fruitful place where everyone is employable, no matter what their abilities or disabilities might be? Shouldn't the church be a home where everyone can contribute, no matter what? Don't each of us have a gift to share with the church? So when we place in the cultural context of the right here and the right now, the parable brings a new twist for us. We live in a culture 
where more and more people are actually opting out of church, right? Churches in decline. And if people do seek one out, they look for the church at which they're actually not required to work, right? They want to go where they can sit, observe, be entertained, where their gifts will collect dust, where they will be spiritually unemployed and essentially homeless. I'm say it again. They're going to find a church where they can sit, observe, be entertained, where their gifts will collect dust, where they will be spiritually unemployed and essentially homeless. These days, so many are seeking faith communities in which they don't have to work. And I think this has something to do with how complicated it becomes to find that job for everyone. We believe that God calls us into service. That's the whole point of it. We are called into serving God, even people who have different abilities. We have work to do here, all of us, and that includes finding a job for every member of the family, no matter how big or small. Church work matters. It is essential to your spiritual health. So have you ever heard the hummingbird parable? A lot of y'all have maybe heard this, but if you have, hear it again. If you haven't, it originates in South America, and it goes like this. A big fire was destroying the forest, and all the animals fled except the hummingbird. And it flew to the river, and it picked up a drop of water in its tiny beak, and it flew back. And it poured that one drop on the fire. Again and again it returned to the river. And each time it scoops up a tiny little drop and it drops it on the fire. The other animals watched from the far shore laughing and mocking. And the harder they laughed, the harder the hummingbird worked. Just what do you think you're doing, the animals asked. And without stopping her work, she answered calmly, I'm doing what I can. That's all any of us can do, what we can. So right here, in this church, if we cannot employ everyone and provide them with a faith home, then I assure you, there's no way we can make this kind of grace happen out there in a big, bad, dark world where the church is becoming less and less relevant. Every one of us has a gift to share. Every one of us has a job she or he can do. Even if it seems small, it matters. So the message this morning, do what you can do. It will make a difference. And grace be with you. Amen. So let us stand together and affirm our faith. This morning we will use the Apostles' Creed as found printed in our worship bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. 